We're so pleased that you've chosen to follow our Adopt Ed podcast. I'm Joseph Sandigato, the Director of Communications and Public Relations at Mayor. And at Mayor, we believe that the best way to help introduce the process of adoption from foster care is through education, hence our cutesy little title of Adopt Ed. The theme for today's show is Adoption Perspectives. Specifically, we're talking about the perspectives of youth who've been adopted. We'll also be sharing a remote broadcast from our recent Assumption College adoption event, where we presented a panel of former foster youth who offered perspectives on their adoptions and engagement with the foster care system. I'll be joined today by my peer and co-host, Diane Tamaz, Director of Family Support Services for Mayor, who will discuss why former foster care and adoption perspectives are important. So welcome, Diane. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the panel that you hosted at Assumption. Um, and we're going to play that uh, audio from that panel because I think it was it was a really great experience for everyone that was there. Um, and you organized the whole thing. And I know that we both value youth voice as part of the adoption process. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm so impressed with these young people who gave their time and openly shared their stories with an auditorium full of people, right? I mean, that's not easy for adults sometimes. Um, and there were social workers and volunteers and, I mean, probably a couple hundred people looking back at them, right? Yeah, they were uh, pros. You would have thought that they'd done this That they'd done this forever. I know. Do this all the time. Yeah. But why do you – let me start by asking, why do you think it's important uh, for families to get a youth perspective on the process? Well – Youth, as we know, are at the center of this. All of our work is child-centered, and it's something that, as adoption professionals, we say all the time, but it's important for us and for adoptive parents to keep that in mind, and I think we don't get to hear it enough. Um, And I was reminded by the young people on the panel that they really know themselves. Right, and they know the process. They do. They understand where they've been and what's happened and how their lives have changed and uh, they were just so great at capturing that experience firsthand in a way that, you know, none of us could. No, for sure. And I think what was interesting to me was the diversity, number one, mm-hmm. right? So we had um, kiddos who were adopted very, very young, kiddos who were adopted when they were older, some who had some sense of where they were in the process, you know, some who, the you know, uh, one of the panelists, Robbie, was adopted as an infant, right, and mm-hmm. had a, a unique perspective. So I think... It's always amazing to me, and not so much now, you know, 20 some odd years later, but initially it feels very compartmentalized sometimes for families. You know, you've got your worker, the children have their worker. The the process feels very compartmentalized. And I don't think it was until I went to a mayor event, which is where I met my first couple of kiddos, that I even realized that kids could be part of the process, you know, could be involved in that piece. Right. And that they have strong feelings about what it is they're looking for, but they're not what we as adults always think they're looking for. Right. So all of our insecurities and fears as prospective parents about whether or not a social worker would like us enough to match us with a child is not even what's on the child's mind. Right. I right. mean, those kids on the youth panel reminded us that moving in with their forever families was the first time that they felt safe, yes, cared for, loved, you know, that they could sleep at night and felt like they belonged somewhere. Right. Right. That's what they want. And that's and that is at the top of the list for a lot of the youth who I've had the opportunity to hear speak over the years. This idea that that yes, there's this process and there are boxes that need to be checked and there's safety and there's all kinds of stuff that goes on and we put a lot of emphasis into matching and, and everything. But you're right, that panel, their most fundamental, it's kind of, you know, Maslovian, right? This mm-hmm. idea of, you know, having a place to call home and having consistency, huge, and huge for these kids. Not to sugarcoat it in in I don't want to tell anybody that love is all you need. I mean, every adoptive parent knows it's hard work. But I thought it was interesting that these kids knew that as well. And a couple of them, (laughs) you know, admitted to testing their parents for quite a while in the beginning um, just to be sure that these people were going to stick it out and keep them. That's true. And, you know, and we do talk about that, right? So 
you know, I think uh, as a construct, we talk about the honeymoon period, mm-hmm. right? I, I know people are probably sick of us talking about ourselves in our lives. We're, we, you know, we've both been map trainers. We sit with people at various stages of the process, mapping very close to the front end. You know, uh, you certainly work with people who haven't even, at Mayor, you work with people who haven't even started the application process yet. So we get all kinds of questions. But we do talk about the honeymoon period, right? It's interesting to hear from a kid's perspective. Yeah. Right. They knew. Right. They knew what's going on. Yeah. And um, and even though they may not call it that, they knew that there was going to be some time to acclimate. And then most of them you know, got to the place where they talked about being comfortable and, mm-hmm. and being integrated. And, and that's what we consider to be the end of the honeymoon. For them, right. it was almost like a beginning. Yes. They had been noticing their parents' efforts all along. Right. That was what was one of the things that was so reassuring to hear is, oh, newsflash, your kids actually are listening to <laughs> right, you. Right. They're not They're not necessarily <laughs> they're not totally doing ignoring you. <laughs> what it is that you'd like them to do. And it might take a while for you to um, to realize that it's sinking in when you see them actually start to yeah. um, say back to you the sure. words like, I love you or I appreciate you, the things that, that you want to hear. But again, this is child-centered. We're on their timetable. We're on their schedule. Absolutely. And some kids take longer than others to really feel at home. And that's our job as parents, right? Right. I really, I wish I had had the chance to hear about this process from a youth perspective. As I said, you know, I, I finally, um, when I went to a mayor event, had a bit of a different kind of engagement years ago. But I would have loved to have been in this audience. Um, there's so much that I learned. Um, I probably would have had a lot of my questions answered and maybe even some of my fears allayed by hearing these kids. Because while it, while the whole thing walks sort of lockstep with the process, their take on it right mm-hmm. is so helpful um, and I think that was a really important thing that I took away that day was this idea that you know here are these kiddos giving of their time and experience and and why because they really wanted other families to feel like they were able to be invested and understand what's going on and that's amazing right and they're at the age where they can do that I mean this panel happened to be I think the youngest on the panel was maybe 11 and the other kiddos were teenagers and it's it's a reminder to people in the audience that kids are great at that age. You know, people joke around all the time about being terrified of teenagers, but right, there's so right. many great qualities about them. They have these fully formed personalities. They have interests. They're fun to talk to. Yeah. Um, they they can be introspective and self-reflective, so then they can talk about themselves in a way that would amaze you if you don't spend time with teenagers. Well, and you know what's really interesting is that um, the resiliency. Yeah. And if you don't think that they're resilient, a couple of our panelists actually have had a couple of chuckles, right, as part of their response. Very organic, not contrived. They're telling their story, but they're doing it in a way that feels good and feels healthy. You can you can tell that they've put some thought into it, right? Right. Um, And so I think that speaks an awful lot to resiliency. One Uh, thing I wanted to actually point out about that was these kids who spoke on the panel, you know, these are kids who've been with their families for years. And so they're in a really good place. They're right, right. they're stable and they're confident. Um, and just a reminder to families that are considering older kids, it it's not that way from the beginning. And we have to be patient right. with kids. And we have to, um, the, to help them come along and to thrive. And remember that years later, when all of that stuff um, really sinks in, our kids can be that settled and stable too. And I think that's an important point, Diane, is that um, these children um, came from families who were known to us, um, and we and we saw an investment in them when they were younger, and we're now seeing who they've become because of that investment, right? Absolutely. Yep. So, um, you know, you have a long history with adoption. Is there anything um, that surprised you or perhaps something new that you learned from this panel? I think, again, just how honest they were about the fact that at times they knew they were testing these adults in yeah. their life and it was intentional because you know sometimes it's hard to pull apart if our kids behaviors uh stem from their trauma neglect right, abuse right. you know their history in general or if if it is intentional and it was funny actually to, <laughs> yeah, hear, them to hear them admit that at times it was but um but it all makes sense of course it is you know we've all had relationships sure. that didn't work out and we're more tentative the next time and these kids have had a similar experience well and p.s 
kids who came come from a, I'm using my air quotes, you know, normal background, mm-hmm. right? Test their parents. Absolutely. Newsflash. Right. These kids are like every other kid in that way. Yeah. Right. And you're right to think, yeah, you have to kind of pick apart sometimes. And we've talked about this in other shows, Mo and I have, and you and I have, where you have to be very, very sort of introspective and think about what's going on with your kiddo. Yes. But sometimes they're just being a kid. That's right. And guess what kids do? Test their parents. That's right. So it was, yeah. it was funny. You're right that they brought that up. And these kids are under the microscope. And, and that's hard, you right. know, to have um, social workers and to have a case file and to have people know a lot about your life. Um, it's uh, is different than the experience of other kids sure. who, you're right, are doing the same exact kind of things because that's part of being a kid. Right. And don't have all the extra stuff. Right. Well, Diane, you know, we could talk about this forever, but I don't want to give too much of the content away. So without further ado, we'd like to present Ashley, Robbie, Heather, Maya, and Hannah. And of course, you as our moderator, as we discuss the perspectives on foster care and adoption right after this commercial break. Hey, Jeremy, we have an event coming up this fall. We sure do. The Adoption Option. It's one of my favorite ones, I think. It's one of our biggest events. It is. And it's got the most people and the most resources. It Um, is really exciting to be there. And what I love particularly about this event is that it's for everyone. If you just want to get information, you've never even heard about adoption from foster care, you can show up to this one. Or you could be map trained, home studied, ready to, anywhere in the process. Yeah. You get to meet social workers. You get to meet waiting children. We have our family support services team has experienced families who sit in the dining room and will answer your questions and talk to you. There's a a big kickoff event always in the theater with Elliot from Jordan's and uh, our whole team. So if you've ever wanted to know anything about adoption from foster care or up to and including wanting to match with a waiting child, this is a great event to This attend. is the event for you. Yep. So it's at Jordan's Furniture, which is on 50 Walkersbrook Drive in Reading. Beautiful store. Yep. Um, it is going to be on Sunday, October 6th from 8.30 to 11 a.m. Yeah, right before the store opens. So, you know, after you're done with the event, you can shop there, look around all the retail around there. So it's a great way to spend the morning. So for more information? For more information, they can head over to mareinc.org. It has all the event details listed, and you can go ahead and register. Fantastic. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll see you there. See you there. Hi, welcome everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the workshops this morning. Um, I'm really excited to get started with our youth panel. Uh, The youth are a voice that we don't get to hear often enough, but they're the most important voice in this whole process. So very grateful to all of you for being here today. Um, I'm going to start on this end with you, Ashley, if you'd like to introduce yourself, um, tell us your age, and if you're in school or working, what you're up to. Hello, my name is Ashley Scott Senegal. I'm 19 years old. I'll be turning 20 this year. Um, I'm going, I'm just graduated high school. Um, I'm going to uh, college, and um, I'm working as a babysitter and I'm also working at Scotland Show. Yeah. Uh, my name is Brian Mar, and I'm uh, just after middle school I'm looking for um, high school to go to. So it's it. Hi, my name is Heather Cavanaugh. Um, I'm 21. I'm a senior at Trinidad State University, um, and I'm currently working at an internship in Boston for a nonprofit organization called CASA, um, and I'm also a camp counselor. Hi, I'm Maya. I'm 16. I'm going to be a genius. Um, I'm working at Dunkin' right now, so that's pretty cool. But Bay and Wade, will you please share what you shared with me before this panel about what you're doing in September? Okay. Um, oh my. September, I got chosen to speak in front of a 
hundreds of people about adoption, and it's in Florida. It's really cool. They're going to pay for our tickets, and then we're going to Universal and stuff. It's like a black tie, so I have to wear a fancy dress. <laughs> My dad's going to be up there, too. I'm the key speaker, though, so it's going to be kind of crazy. I'm Hannah. I'm 11, and I'm going to middle school. <laughs> so this is a question for anyone on the panel. What age were you adopted, and did you understand what it really meant at that time? Who'd like to start? Um, I was adopted, I think, 10 days, so um, I grew up like anyone else did. Just had a family. It wasn't really anything different. Um, I was six years old when I was adopted. I kind of understood what it was to be adopted because you know, um, I was already in foster care before that started being adopted. Um, I was adopted at ten. I'm not, sorry, not ten. I was stopped at twelve. Um, I felt like I didn't fully understand. I knew that I wasn't, you know, going to go back to my biological family, and a lot of stuff was going to happen. So I definitely like, because I was a little bit older, that I did have some sense of what was happening, but maybe not emotionally. I don't think I was really ready. Um, I was 14 when I was adopted. We were adopted together at the same time, so it's pretty cool. Um, I was like, I really liked the foster home I was at. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm sick of meeting people, it's not working now, and like, just leave me be. But then I met my parents, and it was like really cool. I was nervous at first. I had like really short hair, so I was like, "Oh, they're gonna judge me." <laughs> and then like we just we had like a bond like right away, and it was really cool. And they didn't think I was weird because I picked up a pet. I mean, I picked up a worm and I called it my pet, so <laughs> I knew what like it was meant to be. <laughs> I was nine when I got adopted, and I was nervous at first, and I got what it meant, but it still felt different. So for all of you, um, what the conversation about adoption happened with your foster parent or with your adoption worker? Can you share with us how it was they explained adoption to you and, and what you understood it to be? So when I was adopted or I put into foster care, um, I was I didn't really understand. Um, I knew I was getting taken away, but I didn't really understand why. And um, my foster, um, I'm sorry, my agent um, kind of explained it, and then I kind of understood what it was and why I was being taken away. But it, it still didn't really make that much sense to me. Um, for me, it was pretty apparent that I was adopted because um, my family was pretty open about it and I knew what it meant. But it didn't, it didn't mean a lot to me because I knew people that I were with. Um, I loved him and for anything with any other family. So um, I had a, a social worker and she explained to me that well I was in um, my third foster home for a year, a little over a year, and she I knew that the next steps were adoption, so I had a pretty good feeling that I was going to, so she just kind of explained to me and reassured me that, you know, we're going to find you a good placement and we're going to find you the right home and the right family. So I knew that um, I trusted her and so I was 
pretty confident in her abilities, and yes, I was nervous, but I was also very excited to not be living in a foster home again. I never really had what adoption was explained to me. I kind of just put it all together myself because I was in and out of foster care. And so I knew it was like a forever home, like they would be your new parents, you would stay with them, like, yeah, like, in law, they'll be like your parents. And I knew that. It was just kind of common sense to me. And I, would, I feel like a lot of my foster homes, I feel like I asked a lot of them, are you going to adopt us? And like, I didn't understand the, my parents have to lose their rights before I can get adopted part. So I was always confused and stuff. But then like, once I got older, I realized they have to lose their rights before we can actually get adopted. My social worker kind of explained it, and my sister kind of helped. And I was nervous at first, and I didn't exactly get it, but I still kind of knew somewhat like it would be a forever home. Thank you. This is um, more of a personal question about your history, so feel free to share only as much as you feel comfortable sharing. Um, but if any of you are open to sharing how it is you came into foster care, maybe exactly what had happened with your birth parents um, that brought you into the foster care system. So when I was little, um, I was living with my mom, and so when I couldn't really remember, I can't really remember that much of what happened. I really only truly remember the bad stuff. But um, something really bad did happen when I was younger, and I got taken away. And I don't really remember how it was like for me to get. I was really scared, and I didn't understand fully what was happening. And um, next thing I knew, I was kind of just in a car and going to uh, DSS or DCF. My parents um, met me actually by trying to adopt my older sister, who was being adopted by another family. So as soon as I was born, I was pretty much adopted by them already. Uh, so I was, I was adopted right out of DCF, and I, at a very young age. Um, my parents were alcoholics and I was in, in their custody and I was in my stepsister's custody and she was doing drugs a lot and so I wasn't um, going to school, which was middle school, and um, someone filed the 51A and we don't know who it was, but it was because I missed probably like a month of in September, like that whole month of not going to school, she was passed out and not able to take care of me um, like she said she would. Um, the first time we were taken away, we were living in like a, a camper and it wasn't really registered and stuff, and we didn't have running water. And I didn't make it to school much, and we stayed out late and stuff. And then my parents started getting into drugs. And like, we just, so my sister and I got taken away. She was like a baby. I barely saw her in foster homes and stuff. But then we went back like a year, year and a half after. And my parents were even more into drugs, and they were taking through different kinds of drugs and stuff. Like, it was just crazy. I would have to like drive them home sometimes because they would fall asleep um, like behind the wheel and stuff. And I was only seven, eight. And we would miss so much school. My parents couldn't get up. I would have to feed my sister. I would have to find money and stuff to feed my parents also. I took care of everyone. And like my neighbors and my school didn't. They were like worried for me and they called again and then back and forth and back and forth. And my parents just never could let go of the drugs. Um, 
It's always the Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's fast forward a little bit to meeting your adoptive parents. Can anybody share the story about how you actually came to meet one another? Um, was it through an adoption event, or did your social worker match you with your parents? What do you remember about it, or what story have they told you about if you were too young to remember? So um, my dad told me, my brothers told him about me, and my brother Malcolm really wanted me to get adopted by them, which is how my dad found out who I was. Um, who I was. Uh, the way I remember is um, walking up to a house, holding a stuffed animal, going in through the back door, I think, and um, First thing I saw were two dogs uh, who freaked me out because I've never seen a dog before. <laughs> and then the next thing I knew, there's this big person trying to hug me, and I had no idea who he was. And he's like, "Oh my God, you're my sister!" And it's like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and then so um, he was hugging me like crazy, and then I found out later he was my brother. So, actually, how long had it been since you've seen your older brother? Um, I actually didn't know who he was at the time. Um, he was a stranger um, who was hiding me. Yeah. Um, I think because my mom made me to adopt my older sister, who was in a foster family at the time. I think she was around like six or eight. Um, in the foster home, I actually decided to adopt her. So my biological parents um, were having me and my twin sister. So my mother decided to adopt um, me and my sister after they couldn't adopt my oldest uh, sister. Um, actually, so my mom found me. Um, there's a book at the library in my town where she was just looking um, for another uh, child that she was uh, kind of like appointed to. But um, so she came across my picture and then she contacted my social worker in which then she said, oh, we found a match for you. We found the perfect family. And so in my last foster home, both my parents and one of my older sisters came um, to the house and we took pictures and then we went out to eat. Um, and so it was a really, really great experience. Definitely nervous, but um, really great experience. My parents, and my sister and I, we were here a few years ago. It was like really hot, I guess. They were thinking about not coming. <laughs> so they were like, they lived like an hour away, so they were like, uh, come on. But they came and they were only looking for like a younger girl and only one. But then they found both of us and just something made them turn around. And then they talked and then we got a call and we got this little book. They, my mom made us both little books. They were like so cute. And just talked about the family, showed pictures of the house, of the animals. It was really cool. And we had a first visit. Before we started first visit, <laughs> yeah, and that's where I got my pepper, and it was pretty cool. So <laughs> we got lost. We started just like pushing through all the corn, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was cool. I wasn't ready. I was nervous. I actually, I was talking to them before I came up here, and they thought I was gonna be like pushy and stuff because they thought I didn't want to be adopted. Which I didn't like. I just I just wanted to be left alone because we had a person in the orbit, and she was really sweet, she was bright and beautiful, but it just wasn't a match. And it was just I didn't want to move because I I came from New Hampshire, and I didn't want to move from all my friends and stuff, and I was just sick of moving. But we met them, and it was pretty awesome. As social worker kind of matched us up, and someone named Roma 
she told them about us, and when she heard that they really were looking for girls, she was so happy. And so she told us about them, and then they came and visited me went to the corn maze. And I think we went out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> we got Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> and we had such a fun time, and they gave us a Halloween bug. Yeah, they sneaky stuff inside from hot cocoa. And we just had a blast with them. It sounds like you have a lot of really nice memories in that first visit and getting to know each other. Um, is there any memories you have of it being awkward, just meeting new people for the first time, or anything you can share about the transition really to getting to know each other as a family? Where do you think that were challenges for you? <laughs> um, so when I first got, I was not very, um, I'm very comfortable with um, hugs or anything like that. So getting into a new family was kind of difficult for me. Um, the one thing I can remember that helped my situation was that my dad just let me uh, slowly get used to the family. And um, another thing is my brother was very pushy. Uh, he did not leave me alone. Um, he would bother me every day and um, ask me to play video games with him. Um, my brother Malcolm has never been my, really my favorite, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, he was the only one who would play with me. Uh, the funny part is my favorite was my brother Anthony, who looks a lot like me, or so I've been told um, by my dad many times. Um, that he was my favorite, but he didn't really play with me that much, so I don't know why he's my favorite. <laughs> I was uh, extremely fortunate to be adopted at such a young age, so I was never placed in the foster. Uh, foster care or anything like that. So I never had an awkward moment revolving around adopting. So um, I think that even like I knew I was getting adopted, but in that process, there was a time where I was um, my parents or one of my parents would come to the Cape where I am originally from, and they would take me back to their house um, for the weekend. And I always thought that the car rides were very awkward, and I would sit in the back seat. And I never um, sat in the front seat ever. So I think that like just communicating and like emotionally trying to express yourself with someone that you've never you don't really know yet was like very challenging for me, and I like still continue to. Um, I still see a therapist after years and just trying to uh, just emotionally get through things and all these different things. So I thought that was probably like very challenging for me. I'm a people person, so it's really awkward. I like I love talking and I love people. I would have to say like the hardest thing is like I think I know best for me, but they think they know best for me. So it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's like back and forth. I feel like that's like the only thing that was hard was like letting them take control. I'm not a parent anymore. I can realize to be a kid. It's like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what? It was like really, it was different. But like, I'm a kid now, so. <laughs> challenges we have is two foster homes before that we met this family they were gonna adopt us but we didn't really like they weren't great people so we got moved and I felt like that would be us with this family and I want to do what I want to do and they and they made me do what I did not want to do, so I kind of got upset. Like my sister said, I pushed the boundaries, but 
we still love each other, and it's going to be a lot better since. Thank you. Um, I'm curious how open you guys are with other people in your lives, like your classmates or friends or your neighbors, other people in the community, about the fact that you're adopted. Do you share that with people? And, and how do you talk about it? Um, usually people can tell I'm adopted. Um, I only have, so I have two dads, and um, that's one fact. And people know I'm adopted. Another one is um, basically there's only three dark-skinned people in my whole entire family. And then another fact is uh, usually when people talk about family, I people talk about like, um, mothers, fathers, and stuff, and, and a lot of people. I usually tell a lot of people that I'm adopted. I'm not really embarrassed by that fact or scared or something like that. I also tell everybody that I have two dads <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, I like to be very open about being adopted uh, to a lot of my friends and um, People can know about adoption, and it's not really different. But, uh, like you said, yeah, I just lost the thought. <laughs> um, I think I was definitely like afraid to tell people because I felt like I was going to be judged, um, which I don't know why because it's not a bad thing to be adopted, but once I got like a little bit older and I started, I started to make really close uh, friendships with some of my friends at school that, you know, they were very understanding and they, you know, there's like nothing to be afraid or nervous about of just being adopted. It's not anything bad at all. And now I tell people that I'm like very close to in college now that like, you know, they know I'm adopted and it's not something that they really care about either. I'm too open, I get a lot, so like, <laughs> I share a lot. And I feel like if I'm open, I can make a difference, but it's kind of hard. Like people our age, because they're really immature. No offense, anyone. But yeah, so my dad's always telling me, I'm like, I'm too open, I gotta be more careful. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Cool, I'm gonna put your butt in, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm open to my really close friends and just friends because I know they won't judge me. And so they also ask about that much about my good parents because they might not know that, so I tell them. And I'm open, I think I'm really open to some people, but some people I know will judge me. I have a question about um, birth family. So do any of you have connections or contact with birth parents or siblings, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anybody who's part of your birth family? And how's that going? Um, and if you don't, what do you think about that? Um, so recently, I just started talking with my mom um, after not seeing her since I was eight. Um, the first person I contacted from my biological family was my brother Tyreek, who I haven't seen in forever. He's only one year younger than me. But then I um, started, he gave me my mom's Snapchat, and then I started, not Snapchat, sorry, Instagram, um, from social media. Um, anyway. So then, um, my mom actually came to my graduation. Um, the way she acted was so much better um, than what she used to be like. Um, and then I'm going to see her again, eventually, again. I was the only one in my family, uh, my biological family, my adopted family, so I have two brothers who are, have the same mother. Um, so I was the only one willing to give her a second chance, um, so I'm going to go to here again.
I don't know my biological family. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I would like to know them, but I can understand why maybe it's not like the best idea. But I do know my older sister, and it's so strange having a sibling that lives in another house with you, but like you're both so young because you, when you meet each other, like so much changes. It's, um, Kind of fun to see them, but like it's hard to relate to what happens to them while they're on the list. Um, so I have an older brother who got married and then had a son. Um, so and he is just great. My nephew is really great, and he is probably the only one I do see now. Um, I don't really talk to any of my other family just because I don't want to have to deal with all the other nonsense that they are aware of and it's just I, I don't want to have to go through all that so my brother is definitely a, he's like a big um, part of my life um, and he's definitely gone through it with me even though he is a little bit older but um, I love him to death. Um, I used to have contact with my parents but um, my like adopted parents and my guys now, they kind of like, I didn't tell them about it because I just felt weird. And they like didn't like go, yeah, it's fine, whatever. But like, yeah, they found out a sex and then they talked to me about it. And it's more like, I was just having a hard time saying goodbye. Like, I didn't like texting them or really talking to them because they didn't know how to take responsibility. They always try to blame everyone. They even like they always try to blame me for everything that happened or my sister. And it's like it's not our fault. I'm not the therapist. I have to like cut this off. Like they're not ready. I'm not ready. We can't. This, we can't have contact with each other anymore. And it was hard. I didn't say goodbye or anything. My parents just blocked them. And they're always trying to like get contact with me and stuff. And I'm just like whatever. But I still have like family, like my uncle, he's awesome, I love him. He lives far away though, so I don't really get to see him much. Like I still text him sometimes, he just um, had a baby. Well, so I just had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's cool. And then my great grandma, I still talk to. But like, it's just some people in my family that are unhealthy. They tell me things that I don't want to know, like what's going on with my parents. It's like, I thought they want for a reason, I don't want to know, and they don't understand that, and they keep telling me anyway, so it's like, I have to cut them off too. And it's like really hard, but I'm busy all the time anyway, so I don't really get bothered by it. <laughs> well, my sister and I are both sisters, so we got it off each other, and, <laughs> and we <laughs> We do kind of, we have contact with our uncle, and we have baby brothers that we get to see once in a while, and we have contact with their parents, their adoption parents, they've been adopted too, but they live kind of far from us, so we don't really get to see them that much, and we've been busy. So some of the people that are sitting in the audience here have already adopted before and are here to say like to adopt again. Um, but a lot of them are going to be first-time parents or adding on to their family through adoption. Um, so I'd really like to hear from you what message about adoption you want them to walk away with today. And I think part of that is I'd like to hear, you know, why did you agree to come and sit on this panel today and talk about adoption? Why is it important? I hope you weren't forced. <laughs> I was not forced. <laughs> I think. Um, so I usually like to talk about what happened to me and um, how I became adopted. And um, the reason I like to talk about it is because I want people to know fully what they're going to get into and fully what they should expect. 
and not to really give up on a child just because they have certain qualities um, that makes it harder for you to connect. Eventually, they're gonna um, warm up to you, and eventually, you guys can get along. It's just hard, and you can't really push them because I'm thinking of you or something like that. I was sort of forced by myself because I was very fortunate and adoption makes such a big difference in someone's life. Uh, so I just I felt that it was sort of my responsibility to make sure that, you know, I can influence parents and persuade people to adopt other children who are in need because it, it's makes a huge impact. Um, so my mom always says, or basically my whole family says that um, it's such a life-changing experience that it just it just changes everything in, in a good way and that everyone always says, not just to me, but to the whole family, that we're so proud that you decided to adopt because our family is so different in so many ways that you can't even imagine, and I probably wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them. There's nothing you can really say, it's not simple. It's Every kid's different. Some are easy, some can adjust faster, some have a harder time. Some will test you to the point where you just want to run. Just like, there's nothing simple to say. But everyone deserves a home, and every kid deserves to be happy. They should grow up with a great family. And we're gonna stop the look of it's not simple, but it's life changing. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna steal this from my dad. Um, some people call it chaos, but we call it family. Um, he loves saying that, and I, I agree. I mean, it's definitely chaotic sometimes, but we all love each other and we all see it through. And even if they're pushing away, just don't give up on them. They're just scared. Like some people just don't know how to feel love, it's hard. You just need to help them as much as you can. And like my sister said, and every kid's different, and some you might want young ones or older ones, but you should give. Every kid try because no matter how old or how young they are, they all deserve a home. And they've been through a lot and they've lost a lot, so you have to understand that because they're going through a lot right now and you might not have gone through it, so you might not know how they feel. Thank you. Um, I'd like to leave time, a little bit of time for questions, but I want to ask the adoptive parents first and these panelists if there's anything you want to add. Just raise your hand, I'll give you a microphone. I'm Robbie's mom. Um, I just really encourage you to keep stepping forward, going through the doors to adopt. Um, it's really hard sometimes when you're in that training and you're hearing all these, you know, these stories and it's really freaking you out, but I say push yourself through because your child is out there, they're waiting. It's, it's all about timing. Um, I know sometimes you feel like you're waiting forever, but it's because the right child is going to be placed with you. And I say push yourself because every single child needs to have a loving home, permanent home. I have seven. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
This question is for um, Ronnie. Um, I'm Cassidy, by the way. So, how old? I know you were adopted as a baby. How old were you when you found out? And what was that like? How were you told? Um, I was sort of. My family was very open about it, so I was sort of gradually told more and more as I grew up. I'm not exactly sure what age I was when I really learned about it, but. Um, it was nice that my family was so open because it, it was very easy to understand. Um, thank you. Thank you. Hi guys, I'm Sanjali. Um, and I want to thank you so much for being here and for being so brave and sharing your story and your lives with us. I'd love to know what is one thing that your adoptive family did that was the most helpful for you to feel loved and safe and feel like you could really be you? Thank you. Um, one thing my dad did um, that I really appreciate um, was he gave me a lot of um, time and space and kind of um, at night helped me with my um, anxiety getting hugged and put the sense of anxiety. Uh, he would um, hug me at night all the time. Um, no matter if I, um, when I was younger, I used to say, I only hug him because he wants a hug. Um, that, Basically, um, he gave me confidence, and I am who I am because my dad chose. Uh, like I said before, um, being open about adoption is really helpful, especially for me because I was adopted at such a young, young age. Um, but just being there. And, Having or giving those opportunities uh, really helps. I think that being my parents pushed me a lot, even though I didn't want to. Um, they de definitely gave me some space, but I think that they pushed me to do things that I didn't want to do and do things that they thought that would benefit me in the long run. And now I'm going to be the first person in my family to graduate college um, out of out of my five, well, my um, biological family, out of my four biological uh, siblings. So it's a, definitely an accomplishment, but sometimes pushing can be too much, and I definitely need a space and time in the beginning, but it's, it's worth it. 
I'm going to try and think of what to say. It's just, I felt so welcome, I guess. I think I'm going to go back to my hair situation. It was really short, and I was judged by everyone, but like, they didn't judge me for the most part. And so, like, it grew longer, and now my brother calls me, like, Bieber. <laughs> but, you know, but, like, they, they let me be myself, and, like, they let me design my own room, and that was, like, my safe place. Was, like, I was, I never was able to do that, like, take a color from my walls, like, that was crazy. They were like, what color do you want to draw? I'm like, me? Who? <laughs> that was, like, crazy. And they also talked to me, like, they gave me my space. I, like, I'm kind of weird when it comes to, like, touching, like, I love hugs, I'm a lovable person, but sometimes I just don't want to be touched, and in a certain way, like, if you rub against me a certain way, I kind of, like, get anxiety, and it, like, I feel like they took the time to, like, get comfortable with me, they hug me slowly, like, they, like, they got, they just took the time to get to know me and know my boundaries, it's not like they just came up to me right away and squeezed me to death, I, I was like really grateful for that because I was like nervous about how I was gonna be like handled and stuff. And like, I don't know, I just, now like when they hung me out of nowhere, I'm like, I'm fine, I'm comfortable. And it's like, it's such a big change because I used to be like, hey, no, don't touch me. I mean, I'm still like that sometimes, but like, that's where I'm being a <laughs> They let us pick out the color of our room even though they wouldn't let me pick black. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked my other favorite colors. But they also gave me time to start calling them mom and dad because I wasn't really comfortable calling them that. And then I felt like that's what they kind of needed so they know that I loved them. And so I kind of, and I love them, and I feel like they are my mom and dad, so I just kind of tried it out, and now it feels weird to call them by their actual names. So they gave me time to do that, and they gave us time to settle in, and they helped me get through the times that I was very, very mad at them. Um, I wanted to add something real quick. There was like one day, I was like, I said like your house or something, and it was like, I don't remember what we were talking about. We were outside, I was with my dad. We were like out talking, and I said your house, and he kind of like stopped the conversation. And it's like our house, and I was like, our house. And it was like really, like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. It's like, it was just really strange, kind of. I was like, you were house, and he just stopped the conversation. But like, once he caught that and he did that, it's just like everything kind of changed. It's like it's our house, our animals. My truck. No, my truck. <laughs> <laughs> that is my truck. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, my boy. <laughs> <laughs>
it was hard in like grade when I was going to get adopted. It was like I wanted to stay at the foster home I was at last. I was like, nope. But like, it's going to take time to find the right fit. Like, don't give up after a few tries and stuff. You'll, you'll find the right family. There are so many kids out there that need homes. There's so many kids that social workers have to drive back and forth by night because they don't have a place to stay. I'm telling you, like, you're going to find a perfect fit. It's just going to take time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being honest and open and vulnerable with all of us. Um, we're really the ones who are honored to have heard your story. So thank you again for being here. So we hope that our listeners learned something new from these amazing young people. And I'd like to take this opportunity to remind our listeners that we have so many resources available to help them learn more about the process. From our website to social media to events and meetings, please take advantage of all that we have to offer. And don't forget the Diane and her team are always available in person to answer your questions and provide feedback. Stick around. We'll be right back with more of the Adopt Ed podcast right after this message. So Maureen, we've got an event coming up in Western Mass. Yes, we do. On Sunday morning, September 22nd, it's at the Holyoke Children's Museum. And what a fun venue. Oh, yeah. this uh, uh, My kids used to go to this museum, it's, and that was many years ago. It's really a lot of fun, um, lots of things to do. Um, this party is for children who have special types of needs and, and by that I mean may have some physical uh, needs, some developmental needs or delays, but also for children with autism and yep. we're hoping to bring families in who could be home studied or maybe even in the process of being home studied, maybe have never even thought about this adopting yeah, so this a child. Is- this is kind of like our options event, right, where it's anybody who wants to learn right up to and including people who are already home studied, who've had uh, all of their training done and who are looking to match. So it's really a full spectrum event. So if people want more information about adoption from foster care or if you're already in process and you're looking to make that connection with a social worker or a child who has, uh, and it sounds like a range of needs, right? So it could be, um, you know, it's a special needs recruitment event, but it could be a wide variety of things we're talking about, everything from uh, intellectual to physical and different levels of each, right? Does that right. Sound? Yeah. 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 Okay. And it's a great environment for that. It's very calm. We're trying to keep the number of children low so there's no, you know, massive crowds there. You know, yeah. it's it's it I think it's going to be perfect for these children and I'm hoping informative for the families who come. Um we've got such beautiful children out. I mean, we have Children are beautiful in general, and I just, you know, I just think families need an opportunity to yeah. So even if you're not and interact, even if you're not interested in special needs adoption, you can still come and learn about adoption from foster care as well. Oh, sure, sure. Bring your neighbor. Bring people from the church. Sure. From the the temple. Bring your cousin. Bring bring your whole Greek family, Italian family. I'm Italian, and you are too. So you know what that could be. I know. Um, So anyway, yes, we would love to have you at this event. And uh, I'm going to repeat it Sunday morning, um, September 22nd. It's from 10 to 11:30, Holyoke Children's Museum. And And that's over at 444 Dwight Street in Holyoke, Mass. Correct. Great. Well, thanks, Mo, for sharing this event with us, and hopefully you'll get to see and and hear from some of our listeners. Oh, I hope so. I look forward to meeting people. Hope to see you there. And now it's time to introduce you to some of our waiting children. Today we'll learn about Isaac and Aaliyah. This is probably a good time to remind our listeners that they can find information about either of the children at our website, marink.org, by clicking on the Meet the Children tab and entering their ID numbers. So Diane, who do we have first? We have Isaac. He's 11 years old, and he has the sweetest smile. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? Look at oh that my gosh. smile. It's so earnest. And the yeah. people who know him would agree. They say he's funny, he's warm, he's engaging, he's sweet, he's caring. 
Uh, what does he love? He loves cooking, cars, Legos, Pokemon, playing on his computer. Well, that's like what, a kind of a renaissance. Range, that's right? a renaissance man right there. <laughs> he can do anything. <laughs> and his dream is to become an ambulance driver. Aww. I don't think I've heard that before. That is great. That's awesome. And he likes playing games with adults. He does. So yep. that's fantastic. So he loves his teacher. Um, he loves his teachers. He loves going to school. He's doing well there. He's legally free for adoption. Great. And what are we looking for for a family constellation? So he should really be the only or significantly youngest child in the home. So again, he's 11 years old. And the family that's right for Isaac should be comfortable making a slow transition from his current placement to their family. Okay. And we know that that means, you know, as we've talked about many, many times with these kiddos, these are well thought out comments. A lot of times that's one of the things that that I find when people are asking questions about Mayor is, you know, why is my family not a fit or why is my situation not a fit? Know that these are well thought out responses that come from the social workers, right? Yeah. There's oftentimes a lot of clinical oversight and, you know, there's a reason why all of these criteria are in place. But if you want to learn more about Isaac, he is registration number 6700. And who's next? We have Aaliyah. She's 10. How fun is her picture? Right. For I wish you guys could see it. You'll have to go online to take a look, but she's throwing up the peace signs. She looks fun <laughs> and bubbly, which is what other people say about her. That's great. She's creative. She's helpful. She also likes her schoolwork and really likes her classmates and teachers. That's great. Yeah. Aaliyah is also legally freed for adoption. She would do well with a two-parent family with or without older children in the home. She has close relationships with her birth parents, whom she still visits with. So it's important that she maintains that contact. And she also has two brothers she needs to keep in touch with. That's great. You know, I mean, I think this whole idea of permanency being an extension, mm-hmm. right, of biological family and adoptive family. I mean, that's that's amazing. And I have to tell you, listeners, you need to go on and look at registration number 7401. She has one of the most fun pictures that I've come across in a long time, not staged. She's just sitting there dropping the peace sign, smiling. <laughs> but that picture, does that not convey so much emotion? Yeah, it's she's great. just such a joyful kid, you can tell. Yeah, it's amazing. So Diane, for anyone interested in learning more about these kiddos, let's remind them of what the process is like. That's right. If you get online, you can visit us at mareinc.org. That's M-A-R-E-I-N-C.org. You can always call us at 617-964-6273. Or you can get online and take a look at our, our events. We hold matching events or um, and a combination of community events. We just recently had one at More Than Words. Right, right. Um, and at the P-Town Library. We're always doing something new. Right. And that's always online so they can find the information there. Well, Diane, thanks so much for joining me. Of course, this has been very educational. And, you know, I always enjoy working with you. So I look forward to co-hosting with you again next month. I'm looking forward to it too, Joe. Thanks. For more information about Mayor, our waiting children, or to simply get more info about how you can get involved to support waiting children, please visit us at mayorinc.org or call us at 617-964-6273. This is Joe Sandigato for Mayor, wishing you a wonderful day and thanks for listening. Until next time.